Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks, team. Uh, Although I share a, a different personality than Sam, I am too just a little excited. Uh, basically now we were restricted previously where we could have one person every four square meters which means the capacity of this auditorium is about 90. Uh, well that we're able to double that uh, so we can now have 180 in here although physically we may not fit that many um, obviously because there still needs to be some distancing but we are hoping that we could have 140 or 150 maybe more um, but that's really good news. And uh, yeah, I'm just a little excited too. When you see the kids going out and things sort of coming back to normal, uh, it does make you, makes me feel good. So I hope that you feel good being here. And uh, I hope that God will indeed speak to you and, and challenge you and comfort you all at the same time. Next week, well, tonight we start a new series on the book of Esther, the story of Esther. And so if you want to do some pre-reading, because Sean will be speaking tonight about that and then repeating it next Sunday morning... If you wanted to read through the book of Esther and get a feel for that, a great book of encouragement. The series is called When God Seems Absent, uh, because in the book of Esther, God's not actually mentioned as such, but there is that thought that he's behind the scenes working things out according to his plan. So for the next five or six weeks, we'll be looking at the book of Esther. That'll lead us into Christmas, uh, because it's the same theme, uh, Emmanuel with us. All the time, God's working in the background. We may not see it, Uh, but he gives birth to his son Jesus and so in a very parallel way the same way that God was working in Esther's life and others in the background uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus because that's God working in the background supplying all our needs through his son so uh, have a if you haven't read the book of Esther for a little while uh, read through it and get a good grasp of that and I'm sure that you'll be blessed Uh, if you're not able to be here next Sunday morning come out tonight Uh, and listen to Sean as we start that series. Would you pray with me? Father God, we would pray now that you would bring to life the words that Jesus spoke uh, some 2,000 years ago, for they are words of life and hope and power. And I pray today, Lord, that we would grasp hold of this fundamental truth of the faith. I pray today, Lord, that we'll take hold of the fact that you are the vine, we are the branches, (laughs) we're just connected to you and if we remain in you then you're able to do your work. So Father God speak to us today we pray. Would you invite God to do that now that you're here? Let's not waste a moment. Would you ask God's Spirit to speak truth into your heart? That he might challenge but encourage you today as well, that this would be a meaningful time together, not relying on me (laughs) but relying on God's Spirit to speak truth into your hearts this morning. Father God, we thank you for the promise that you've made your home within us. Your spirit leads and guides and speaks to us. For that wonderful privilege, we say thank you. And we just want to encounter you and enjoy you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Alice was a 77-year-old multimillionaire. And she lived in an amazing apartment in Italy. And she met a couple 
who befriended her. And over time, they moved in with her in this amazing apartment. But over time, uh, things started to change and they took control. And after a few months, she was actually living in the spare quarters of this mansion, small space, not even any electricity. After a while, the neighbours seemed to notice that she didn't look well. She seemed undernourished. And they contacted the police when they found Alice on the street begging for money. And so the police got involved and she explained to them how it started out well, where this couple befriended her and looked after her. But after a period of time, they started to take over her life. And she said she didn't know how it happened, but over time, this couple took over to the point where she wasn't game to do anything unless they gave their permission. And they took over her life to the point where she looked back and she said, how did this happen to me? I'm an intelligent lady. But somehow through deceit and manipulation, this couple took over Alice's life, took over her money, took over her house, took over everything. And she explained how when she looked back, she thought, how could this happen? And she came to the place of realising that she needed to be set free from this power that was over and controlling her life. And you and I, I suppose, can reflect and consider all the things that want to take over our life. Uh, there's many voices. Uh, we, our worldly culture is suggesting all the time where they want to sort of have influence in our life, take over our life and control us. And some of those things are not good. They're not, not, not things that honour us or honour God's lifestyle. So we have these influences all calling out to us to take hold of our life. Now, we use the phrase being under the influence, uh, and normally that's related to, I suppose, drinking alcohol that we can, but there are so many other things that we can be under the influence of, and some of those things aren't always good, and just like Alice, uh, we need to be set free for them. It's my experience, personally, that sometimes you look at your life or you look back and you think, how did I get to this point? How did that become so important to me? How, how did it have so much control over me? And we realise, I suppose, that the worldly things that suggest they give you all this joy and hope actually rob you of life. And, and so there's all these sort of false claims that the world makes. If you do this, you'll be happy. If you have that, you'll be happy. You'll be satisfied. You'll be content. But generally, worldly teaching or worldly culture only really disappoints. It says it's going to do all these things, but it doesn't. So it's really significant with the first five words of John chapter 15. If you want to look that up, John chapter 15, we've seen from the children's talk what it's going to be about. But if we look at John chapter 15, the first five words that Jesus says is this. He doesn't say, I am the vine. He adds an important word. He says, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the door to life that satisfies. I am the way, the truth and the life, as Sam preached on last week. But I am the one. I am the one who provides life, who restores life. I am not just a vine, but I am the true vine. I am the only vine. And so immediately, I'm challenged. And I'm sure you are. People would always say I'm challenged, but I mean in a different way. We're challenged by this truth. Who or what are we looking to for life? What other vine is there that exists in our life where we look to it to be the provider of some life, some joy, some hope, some peace? Because the world's voices are many. Come this way, do this, enjoy that, buy that. 
and that will give you life. But Jesus said, I am the true vine, the only true vine. And so the challenge is, putting it bluntly, who or what are we trying to suck life out of? Uh, Is it our partner? Is our partner the one that's going to supply us life? Is it our bank account? Is it our job? Is it our hobbies? Is it our friends? Is it all our toys? Are we expecting our partner, our money, our job, our toys, our position, are we expecting that we can suck life out of them? In, In other words, they can provide the life and the satisfaction and all that we seek. They're the ones. And if we think that, we're going to be unfair to them. If we think that, we're going to be disappointed because it is my experience that none of those things are able to give life. Not the way that Jesus is when he says, I am the true vine. I am the one that can set you free. So can I ask you this morning, just an honest question, who or what are you trying to suck life out of? In other words, what person, thing or thing that the world offers is it that you're looking to to say, hey, this is going to make me happy. This is going to make me content. This is going to fulfill me. Because Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the only one. And so Jesus offers this alternate living. You can either listen to the world and try and suck life out of things that will disappoint you, or you can follow me and trust me. Do you know, that's why it's a life of faith. Because it doesn't come easily to us. It doesn't come simply. We choose to believe that Jesus is the one that can give us life. And so we deny what the world offers and we turn our backs on that and that takes faith. It's a journey of faith that we've got to stay with. So some of us feel, I've found Jesus, I've found the source of life. That's true. But it's more than that. It's not just finding the source of life, it's sticking to it. It's following and obeying and committing yourself to the lifestyle that Jesus talks about. It's following Jesus every day. So we can have Jesus as the religion, where it's this thing, yes, I've found the source of life, but it's pointless unless we're sucking the life out of Jesus every minute of every day. And so we realize the world says, hey, all these things are so good and great. We turn our back on that and we say, no, Jesus is the only one. He is the only way. He is the source of life. And that's the challenge of faith you and I face every minute of every day. Not just that we'll believe in Jesus or even that we'll follow him, but that we're going to draw life from him. He is the one who's going to provide these things. But as you and I know, even though Jesus says, I am the source of life, it's not always pleasant. It's not always easy. And as we look from verse 1 to 2, he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So we need to understand that God is always pruning. And we need to understand it is the fruitful branches that he prunes. So even though things are going well, even though we're trusting him, if if we're bearing fruit as Christians, God is constantly pruning We we read if there's no fruit, he just cuts it off and throws it away. But if we're producing fruit, he's going to continue to prune. Now, I'm really encouraged about this because if he's pruning me, it means there's life in me. If he's working in my life, it means he hasn't given up on me. If he's pruning me, he understands that there's potential in me. 
So if we are to reach our potential in Christ, God by His Spirit will be pruning us constantly. If you haven't felt pruned lately, it means you're probably out of step or out of touch with the Spirit. If we're just comfortable and everything's fine and we're not changing or transforming and we're just the same people that we were a month ago, then something's wrong. Because God in His love looks at the branches that are bearing fruit and He prunes them so that they can have even more fruit. So I'm, I'm glad that He sees the potential in me. I'm not always glad when He's pruning my life, but I am alive. I haven't been discarded. There's life in me. Uh, many years ago, I owned a very old aluminium boat. And it was very solid, but it looked terrible. It was just paint was falling off. It, was, it, was just, it didn't look really good. So I decided that I would paint it just to make it look a little better. But before we had to do that, I had to send it to the sandblaster. It was that bad. You couldn't do anything else. You had to sandblast it right back to metal. So with compressed air and sand, they sandblasted all the paint off the boat. And then when all the paint was off, then I took it to the painter and the painter painted it and it looked like brand new. But I can tell you that unless it was sandblasted, it never would have looked so good. The only way that that boat looked so good and fresh and the paint just sort of made it look brand new was because it went through the pain of sandblasting. Sand taking off under pressure, painful and aggressively, I suppose, getting rid of all that paint. And so there's this reality. The Christian life takes on meaning and joy and fulfilment when we let God prune our lives, when we let Him access to the sandblaster. See, it's not just coming to faith and finding Jesus. That's just the beginning. The joy of the Christian life is when we encounter God every minute of every day and He's pruning and sandblasting our life. And so it's not a paradox. How can it be the true life, or I'm the true vine, if you're going to hurt me and prune? <laughs> but God's love and grace and mercy tells me that I can trust my life to Him and the pruning process is actually very beneficial very beneficial and so I remain in him I stay connected I'm looking to him all the time and so I know that I'm very good at saying well Jesus is the source of life but then I sort of put him away for a while I understand he's there and his source of life but I'm not engaging him where I'm walking every minute of every day trusting and looking to him that he might prune that he might sandblast my life why so that I can produce more fruit so that I can have this brand new life that he wants to give to me. And I think that's important. We read in verse 3 of John chapter 15, it says, we are already clean. And so we are grafted into the vine through faith in Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross gives us the opportunity to believe in that process where our sin is forgiven. And at that point, when we're born again, we're grafted into the vine. So this is not about the means by which we get grafted in. We are already grafted in. But it's remaining in the vine. It's looking to God's Spirit to be the one who does the work. So we're already clean. So we don't want to get hang up with guilt and duty and think how terrible we are and how much better we should be. And oh, I need to pray longer. I need to give more money. You can, you can do that if you like. But I mean, you can do all these things. It can be activity. And we think, how do I make myself clean? How do I get to the point where I'm enjoying God? If you are in Christ, you are already clean. You are already grafted in. You cannot be grafted in any more times. 
You can come out the front and rededicate your life a million times, but you can't be any more grafted into the vine than you are already if you're in Jesus. And see, this is where the church generally has got it wrong. Because from the pulpit, we've been told, you need to try harder, you need to work harder, you need to do more things. And that's like us trying to produce the fruit. We can't do it. So Jesus says, you're already grafted in, you're already clean, you're already a part of me, now you just need to remain in me. And why? As we read from verse 4, we see why this is important. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burnt. Can I share with you this morning a significant truth? The hardest thing in the world for a Christian is to remain in him. It's the hardest thing. Why? Because from birth, we've been told that we grow up, we grow stronger, we become mature, and then we leave home. If you've watched all the nature programs, uh, you'll see thousands of shows about animals that start out small, they get stronger and the parents feed them and they become more mature, and then they leave the nest or they leave their parents. You know, when you're an apprentice and you finish your apprenticeship, you think about, now I can start my own business. When you get your license, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to get your own car. When you marry, you leave home. Well, I hope that's true, that when they marry, they all leave home. <laughs> so there's this sense where we are wired up to this thought. When we grow up, when we're mature, we leave our parents, we leave our home, and we do our own thing. The Christian life is totally the opposite. That's why it's the hardest thing. Do you want to have a measure on how your maturity level is in your faith? Do you want to have some idea how you're growing and how your spiritual thermometer is? I can tell you how to measure how spiritually mature you are. And it's this way. It's that you are relying more and more on God. That's it. It's not how much you pray. It's not how much of the Bible you can recite. It doesn't, it doesn't interest me at all. The aspect of this principle is so important. Jesus says, if you're not in me, you can do nothing. So you can quote all the kings of the Old Testament. You can say, I give 25%. I serve on this. I teach Sunday school. I teach youth. I witness to my neighbors and friends. And it's all pointless if you're doing it. That's the thing. It's pointless. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. It's pointless if you're doing it because Jesus says, unless you remain in me, you can produce nothing. And I can tell you the hardest thing in the world for the Christian is this, is to remain in Jesus. Because our natural instinct, our own independence, the way that we're wired up, the way that we're brought up is that we grow up and we leave behind whoever was our source. And it's just the opposite for the Christian. The more mature we are in the faith, the more that we understand, the more that we remain in Him and rely on Him and look to Him. Now, you know the excuse we use, 
I'll do this for God, or I'm working hard for God for this, or I'm doing this for God's kingdom. I'm so busy doing stuff for God. Stop doing stuff for God. You're not asked to do stuff for God. You never have been. All we are meant to be is the vessels by which Jesus displays his life through us. That's our only, that's our only calling. All we are meant to do is be the vessel where Jesus displays his life to others through us through our words and through our actions and through our attitudes, all of those things. It's the hardest thing to remain in Christ, but it's the most important thing. Because Jesus said, no branch can produce the fruit. See, I don't know if we understand it yet. We don't produce any fruit. We just display it. How good is that? Why? I can take a holiday. I literally can and so can you. This is great news. It's no longer on me. It's not about me. I don't have this responsibility. I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to do this for God or I've got to do that for God. The reality is that he does it. This is great news. If only I could be humble enough and smart enough to be totally dependent on him. This changes everything. This is not the message that we heard through the ages of the church. I'm sorry, I'm not being um, critical, but it's not the message that I was brought up with. I was brought up for a message of what a good Christian looked like and what I needed to do to hit the marks and what, what I needed to do for God to be pleased with me. And it's a lie. It's a heresy. And no wonder people throw it out and walk away from religion. Because it's not the truth. The reality is that we're grafted into the vine when we put our faith in Jesus. We're born again. And from that point on, we stop working. All we need to do is be available to the power of the vine to produce the fruit in us. You are not fruit producers. You just display it. This is good news. This is great. We sit back. We make ourselves available, but we don't have to do it. Do you want to talk to your neighbor about Jesus over the fence? Well, say, Jesus, give me the words to say. Give me the opportunity. You want to talk to your workmates? Whatever you want to do for Jesus, for God's kingdom, you don't do it. You need to say, I'm just the branch. The vine needs to do the work. And when we understand that, it changes everything. And it's not the way that I was brought up. It just wasn't. The gospel was in there, but it was all a message about what I could do. And then we have all the manipulation of the pulpit. Still people do it. Come out the front and rededicate your life. If you're not praying enough or giving enough or not serving, come down the front and this time... At the hundredth time, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be doing stuff for God. What a lie. All we are saying to people is, you come out the front because you need to try harder. What we're saying to people actually is, you're not the branch, you're meant to be the vine. And we can't do it. I'm getting more and more like Sam, I'm getting excited. <laughs> it is the life-changing truth. And why won't churches preach it? Because I give you freedom. I give you grace. I don't control you and say you need to be doing all these things to get your, your little ticket or your badge. I'm simply saying you are only responsible to the Spirit of Jesus and you follow and lead Him. It gives you total freedom. And pastors don't like it because we'd rather control circumstances and control you. Just like Alice, we want to come in and take over and take control and rule your life. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't drink that bottle of wine. Don't buy that lotto ticket. We have all these things over the years. You can't do this. You can't do that because I'm going to control your life because your life, what you do for God is so important. 
it's not what we do for God because we are just branches, there's no life in us, we can't do it. My dear old mum struggled with air conditioners and it, it used to, she had some sinus issues and some other things. So when we used to visit mum in Maribor, which is hotter than here in summer, we would all go in and we'd look at the air conditioner in the ceiling, but it was never turned on. And, and I don't know, but when you've got four kids, you can imagine the looks and the kicks and the, all the, the visual stuff that was going on. The air conditioner was still an air conditioner, and it could still do its job. It still had a purpose. But unless it was turned on, it couldn't achieve anything. And that's why Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in me. You cannot do anything. Remain in me. And so we have this source of power. We have this sense where I can step back. It doesn't have to be me. We have this wonderful promise that we're grafted into the vine that gives life and power. How stupid it would be of us if we didn't connect into the power that God's made available by His Spirit. Why would we try and do it on our own? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lawrence of Arabia was in Paris in World War I. And he showed all his other Arab friends all the places of Paris. But you know what the thing they were most interested in, impressed by? was the tap in the motel over the bath. It was recorded that they just kept turning it on and off, turning it on and off, because they couldn't believe you could just turn something and all this water would come out. They've never seen anything like it. And so when they left, they wanted to take the taps with them. <laughs> and he had to explain to them the tap was only good if it was connected to the water supply. This is, this is where we get sucked in. We have this desire to live for God. We want to produce fruit. We, we think, you know, I can be a significant player in God's kingdom. I can change people's lives. I can do things. And so we think it's about us. But unless we're connected to the source, it's hopeless. So we need to stop doing for God and we need to allow God to do His work through us. What's that look like? Let's continue. First of all, this is our purpose, to produce fruit. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me, my disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You know what our purpose is? Is to bear fruit. Not to produce it, but to display it. What we are called to do is Jesus wants to display his life to others through you. That's it. Our purpose is to bear fruit, and it's important for us to understand that. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. John just likes saying the same thing over and over again until we get it. <laughs> I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. couple of things here. Our purpose is to invest in people by loving them. That's the fruit. We love people. We invest for a long-lasting and rich uh, transformation in people's lives as we let Jesus' love be demonstrated through us. 
So the purpose is to bear fruit. What does the fruit look like? We love people. Pretty complicated, isn't it? We love people. The Spirit of Jesus works through us so that we love others. We read in this passage a couple of times, John says, um, he, he records, Jesus said, he said, if you pray anything in my name, it will be given to you. And see, our understanding of what our purpose is will, will determine our prayers. If we understand that our purpose is to bear fruit and to love people, then our prayers go stop being a list of demands that we say, God, I want all these things. But it says, no, God, I trust your way. It's not about me. It's about me loving others with your spirit and with your power. And so when we ask anything in his name, rarely is it that you give me the power to love people. It's normally in our dreams of Ferrari or it's a new job, or it's a holiday, or it's a wife, or it's this, or it's that. There's a whole lot of things that we want to pray in His name because it will be given to us. But you see, if we don't understand our purpose is to produce fruit, and that fruit is loving people, then we lose the sight of what we're praying for. But what's the benefit here? What do we find? How good is this? I have told you this that your purpose is to bear fruit. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. This is not the second best life. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is the bestest life. This is not, oh, I've got to give in to God and I've got to remain in Him and do what He wants and love people. This isn't like second best. This is the bestest life. And so consider this. We either have the temporary, conning, deceitful joy of the world in our life that doesn't give us anything, really, or we can have the joy of God in our life. That's the question. Do we have the joy of the world in our life trying to satisfy us and all will be dis disappointed? Or we can actually have the joy of God. We can actually enable, be enabled by the power of the Spirit that we're living out our life, we're producing fruit, we're loving people, and when we're loving people, we're loving it. This is the best life, not to live for yourself, but to live for God's purpose. How do we live for God's purpose? Well, we realize there's nothing good in us, no power, so we remain in the vine, we draw the strength from Him. And when we draw the strength from Him, we're able to love, and when we're able to love, guess what happens? Our life is full of joy. It's a lovely little plot of a story. <laughs> there's no life in me, but there's life in Him. So I remain in Him. And if I remain in Him, what happens? I start living out my purpose, which is to produce fruit, which is to love people. What's the benefit of me remaining in Him, producing fruit and loving people? My life is full of joy. So you and I look to the joy of the world, the joy that this will bring or that will bring. We're looking to the world to supply joy, but Jesus says, actually, my joy will be in you. How good is that? There's a fable, an old fable about an Indian beggar. And he sat on the side of the road and people used to give him rice. And he's there one day, just a fable, just a story, but he's sitting there with his rice bowl and the Maharaja arrives. And he thinks, this is great. He's going to give me so much rice. So the Maharaja gets down from his chariot and gets to the beggar and says, what have you got there? He said, some rice. He said, give me some. Well, you can imagine how put out this beggar was. What's going on? So he gave him one grain of rice. The Maharaja said, is that all? Is that all you're going to give me? So he sort of gave him another grain of rice. So the guy got in his chariot and took off. 
The beggar's looking in his rice and he sees something glitter. Pulls it all apart and he finds a piece of gold, the size of a grain of rice. Anyway, after that, he couldn't care about the rice. He's throwing it everywhere and he finds one other grain of rice, which has turned to gold. And he thought to himself, if only I would have given him all the rice, I would have had a bowl full of grain. You see, this is the faith bit, where we actually trust that if we give God full access to allow our life and we let his spirit live in us and through us and we love people and we live for others not ourselves we're actually trusting that that's the greatest reward that's the bestest life so that's why you need faith to be a Christian because it doesn't make sense that if we live for others that we're going to be blessed but it's the truth and if we can give away our self-centeredness and if we give away our prayers where we pray everything in his name so it will be so we get what we want and we actually start praying about God's kingdom will come, His will be done, then things would be totally different. In humility, would you join with me today and accept that we are just the branch? Just the branch. We don't produce the fruit, we just display it. And when we realize that we can't produce anything, then we make this commitment, I'm going to remain in him. You just don't find Jesus and then do your own thing. But every minute of every day, you're trying to suck the life out of the vine. It's the life of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus sustaining us 24-7 every second of the day. If we're looking to some other source, we're going to be disappointed. But when we're sucking the life out of Jesus, we find our purpose. We live our lives for others. We live our lives for God's kingdom. And what happens then? We're filled with joy. Not the joy of the world that disappoints, but the joy of the Lord, which satisfies and brings us peace. The deepest joy, the bestest life. Let's pray. Father God, sometimes the good news just sounds too good and we reject it. From the way that we're wired up, from the world that we live in, it just doesn't make sense that you do all the work. It, it doesn't make sense that we don't have to pay you back somehow. It, it doesn't make sense to us. But God, I pray this morning that we would understand that the good news is more than good. Not only are we grafted into the vine just by faith, but we produce, we display the fruit that you produce. So this morning, God, we need to do a couple of things. We need to be humble enough and realize that on our own, we can't do anything. We need to stop trying. Maturity in faith means we're more dependent on you, more dependent. That's the true source of faith and maturity. But I pray today that we'd realize this is our purpose. That's what we're here for. And if we fulfill our purpose, we'll be like pigs in mud. If we fulfill our purpose, we'll be in the best place possible. We'll be full of joy. So God, most of us have been around this life long enough to know the joy of the world means nothing. The joy of the world doesn't satisfy or bring us any peace or hope. But the joy of the Lord... That's something precious. Would you make your response this morning? I'm going to ask you to remain seated. We're first going to sing that new song. I know it's new, but it's got great words. Let's remain seated as the team leads us.
So we'll sing that to start with the new song, but just look at the words. But come to a place of response this morning where you say, thank you, God, for this good news. Thank you that it's not all about me or on me. I don't have any responsibility, but simply to remain in you and let you work through me. That's my purpose, to be a branch, to understand the work of the vine.